Welcome back to the IoT Podcast. I'm your host, Tom White. Every week, we are joined by the biggest names in IoT to unravel the trends, misconceptions, and predictions for the Internet of Things. Before we get into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're watching or listening on and turn on that notification bell so you're never out of the loop. This is a really exciting episode today, everyone. I got the chance to sit down with SnapOn's Graham Hardy, who is the VP of Engineering of Cloud, and Kenny Kim, VP of Product Management. From whole home entertainment to commercial grade infrastructure, SnapOn designs and distributes countless technology solutions for the connected homes and businesses. In this episode, we'll be exploring the evolution of the professional integrator industry, shifting from do it yourself to do it for me and dive into some of SnapOn's IoT offerings, including Overseer Control 4, showcasing their use cases in smart homes and demonstrating all of their functionality. We'll also be touching on the impact of software-defined movement and investments in AI and data science. Before we get into the episode, shout out to one of our sponsors today, 5 Tech. 5 Tech are specialists in finding people who make technology a force for good in the world. They bridge the gap between talent and deep tech businesses around the globe. Click the link in the description to find out more. Before we get into the episode, shout out to one of our sponsors, IoT Tech Expo Europe, the leading event for digital twins, IoT and digital transformation. Welcome to the IoT podcast. Graham, Kenny, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Tom, great to be here. Yeah, absolutely looking forward to this one. Um, So... Graham McKenney, obviously from Snap One. For our viewers and listeners around the globe that don't know who Snap One are, could you just kick off maybe with an introduction? And Kenny, would be would it be okay if you could do that? Yeah, absolutely. So Snap One is an international manufacturer distributor of smart living products and solutions. Uh, we cover different markets from residential, commercial, as well as security markets. Our products go into all those. Um, and we um, distribute both our proprietary products, and we have about 25 different categories of proprietary products. Um, and, but we also um, also sell third-party products. So the, the products that we don't manufacture are the products that we think are needed in serving a smart living experience in a system, smart home, smart business system. Uh, we want to provide a one-stop shop for uh, what we call integrators. These integrators are technology professionals that take all the components of these products and create a single solution for the end client. And so that's the market that we serve. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I think, um, you know, it's a great it's a great introduction and something that's quite topical for me at the moment, because I think we mentioned in our in our discovery call, I was doing an AV install in our new office. Um, And what kind of struck me actually was to kind of uh maybe disparate nature actually at the various kind of providers and services out there and um when we were talking i kind of realized well that actually makes a lot of sense for snap one because you have a lot of brand names under your banner a lot of different services that you can offer the end user and i and i guess that's one of the main uh kind of usps of your of your business would would you say kenny that you were able to do that and kind of bring it all under under one roof for, for folks yeah, totally. And most of our brands are actually not consumer facing. Uh, we only exclusively sell to this integrator base who ultimately provides the end client with the best experience that they're the solution that they're looking for. And so, um, it, it, yeah, we, we have all these solutions. 
Our goal is to try to bring all these things into a single solution because at the end of the day, the customers don't want point solutions. They want something that works cohesively together into delivering the experience that they, that they desire. And oftentimes, yeah, Tom, like when, a, when a, someone hires a professional integrator, it's because of the experience they're trying to drive, right? Maybe they've been at a party at their friend's house and they've experienced their outdoor speaker system or they've seen the whole thing and they, they hire someone to say, I want that experience. And so they may not know the brands of speakers that are in their ceilings or the kinds of surveillance cameras, but the, the professional installer is helping to tie that whole experience together for the homeowner. Yeah, no, that's absolutely excellent. And I, and I think that, that brings me on quite nicely, actually, to the evolution of DIY. Uh, and, and a new phrase that was new for me, actually, but do it for me um which 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 is fascinating uh for, for the folks at home what what does that mean and and maybe uh kenny do you want to take that one to start with and then graham you can come in from an engineering perspective yeah we're, we're very familiar with uh diy do it uh you know do it yourself type of technology um we uh, like to say we play in the do it for me market so <clears throat> the way we describe that is um you know, when a when an end client who's looking to uh, bring all these different solutions together, um, if you're starting with point solution, DIY is great for that. Hey, I want to control my door lock, or I want a doorbell experience, or I want one of these. All the point solutions. There's a lot of uh, kind of DIY stuff out there, Ring, you know, those type of products, and it's very popular. But when you start to bring these solutions together to create a single experience that controls all of it together. That's when even the most avid and most tech savvy person, it could be extremely complicated and challenging. And so the do it for me market is one where we're focused on kind of a higher end clientele who are willing to pay a professional to come in to not only uh, recommend the right products, but design it, install it, configure it, um, provide all the personalization and programming around it and provide ongoing support. So it's really an end-to-end -end experience and support like professional uh, experience where you get the whole solution from this one professional who can kind of bring it all together for you. That is the market that we serve. That's the do-it-for-me market. Yeah. From an engineering perspective, do-it-for-me has an interesting aspect because we being the manufacturer can own from you know the sourcing of a product to the software that you interface with both how you interact and work with it as a homeowner, but also how the professional installer can support that, can remotely manage it, monitor, and we can provide an extended ability of service because we own that end-to-end -end life cycle. And so it really gives us everything from, you know, whether or not uh, automation happens or doesn't happen to, can I reboot a Apple TV because it froze up? All of those capabilities come because of, of owning that whole do-it-for-me piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and and I and I guess and thank you, thank you so much for the to the overview there. It's it, it was new to me, and I'm sure new to a lot of our viewers and listeners. But uh, I would imagine then that this world of the professional integrator is has, has really evolved quite a lot over time. For for yeah. Snap One to be solely, um, you know, focusing their efforts towards that market as opposed to to the direct the consumer, how has that shifted then? Say, you know, over the last ten years or so. Yeah, there's a, a lot of, you know, the space of IoT, smart home um, technology in the home is really blown up in the last decade. 
<clears throat> so even prior to that, our market existed. But if you think about <clears throat> the, the type of products that went into the system in your home or, or in your business 15, 20 years back versus what goes in today, it is vastly different. So back then, it was a lot more analog products. Um, it, it wasn't really on the network. It was a lot of static type of devices where you didn't, once you install it, you don't really need to touch it anymore. Whereas today, pretty much every single product that goes in is IP enabled. And it's and because on the network, it it's, lives in a dynamic environment. Um, you talk about a smart home today, an average smart home, 20 to 30 kind of IP devices. In these do-it-for-me market homes, we're talking about you know almost 200 or more type of products in the home. And so the ability to manage all this, uh, like it's forcing our integrators to become almost networking experts because they have to support a robust network to support all these devices. Uh, the other big change is that uh, when it was analog products, once an integrator installed the system, he doesn't really need to service it anymore. You just need to go back if they want to upgrade speakers or something like that. But now it requires constant maintenance. You need the software updates, security patches. You got to make sure that as the, uh, the uh, network dynamics change, the system's still robust and reliable. And so the challenge that this causes for our industry is that the business model is challenged. Where our integrators used to make money off of a single transaction to the customer, now they have to think about an entire service model that comes after the initial installation. And so that is the biggest change that's happening within our industry within the last decade. One, one thing too, Tom, the title of your podcast being IOT related, you know, IOT came about in the you know, late 2010 piece. Of, and we're going to talk about oversee here in a little bit, but we launched our first IOT product for support in 2014. And that really changed the game too, because all of a sudden now we could provide real-time communication to products in the home for support purposes that before, like Kenny mentioned, it would require you to roll a truck out to that house. Maybe you charge for it. Maybe you didn't charge for it as a professional installer, but now you could interact with devices more in real time, change the game completely with where we're seeing today. So, um, you know, where you had self-contained systems that had very little impact. Now you had all this new elements coming in um, that could impact how the home was d delivered and also uh, serviced. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, really. And you know, you're you're entirely right, Kenny. You know, you've mentioned about the uh, all of the various IPs and, and and Graham. Absolutely, you know, it's the evolution of IoT as a as a concept to enable more devices mm. uh, has also made it actually quite difficult uh, for the average kind of Joe public to. Uh, integrate this all together in their own homes, which completely makes sense. I was laughing with a friend of mine yesterday. We were on a call and we were talking about, you know, IoT being the modern day plumbers, right? So you <laughs> have an IoT plumber that that literally just comes around to your house and connects everything together and looks at dynamic IP ranges, etc. Because that's really what it is. You know, you've got all right. these kind of devices in the field and in the home, and you know, you need to get it to work together and you need to get it to talk together. And Graham, you're 100% right. This is a perfect link to talk into uh, overseeing control for. So uh, could you take it away? These are two prominent products that Snap One offers. And obviously in your position, uh, deeply involved with this. Could could you give us a yeah. an overview maybe, of, of the Maybe of I'll let Kenny give a little intro to overseeing control for, and then I'll be happy to yes. give a little demo of how we use, how we use these two different platforms. 
Yeah, sure, please. Thanks. I'll, I'll start with oversee. So um, I, I mentioned this this um, change from analog to IP, and we saw this early on as this is really challenging the almost the operating expense portion of our innovators business. So we're like, we had to do something um, to help our innovators be profitable and be operationally efficient. And so uh, we started oversee, um, you know, years back. And our focus initially was how do we provide it? How do we provide our integrators an ability to remotely support their customers, period. Uh, and what back then, what that meant really was how do you allow integrators to reboot devices? Because oftentimes rebooting devices takes care of 80% of the problems out there uh, with IP devices. And that's what, where we started. And um, it was such a great success because, you know, where, whereas it would have taken an integrator hours out of the day to go to a remote customer location to solve a problem at the site. Now, all they do is pick, uh, pick up the phone, open up an app and press the button and it reboots and resets the system. And so that's where we started was just about rebooting. It has evolved since then um, in the 10 plus years we've been in business now. Um, it is now uh, a, a platform that allows you to configure because we realized quickly that in order for you to manage an ongoing maintenance and support of a system, it's directly related to how you configure the system. And so configuration is a big part of Oversee now. It's about monitoring. When something happens, our integrators, our professionals who are supporting those clients need to be made aware of it so they can take action, sometimes even before the customer knows that there is a problem. Um, and third is the troubleshooting capabilities. Once they recognize that there is a problem, they need an ability to diagnose the situation and to be able to fix it all without having to leave the comfort of their office or anywhere where they are. All they need is just internet access. That is what Oversee Platform is today. Um, and you know we've evolved from initially just supporting our own products. Um, and I, I told you we have you know uh, 2,800 SKUs. Uh, a lot of them are IP enabled. And when they are, we're making sure they're enabled on Oversee to do all these things. But at some point in, in our journey, we've also decided, hey, this needs to be a tool not only for our own products, but it needs to be a solution for integrators at, at the industry level. And so we pivoted and say, let's make this not just about our own products, but let's support every single product out there. And so we're using all types of um, protocols um, that are out there, you know, SNMP, OnVIF, PJLink, all these types of protocols that allow our integrators to support the customer fully, uh, whether they're using our products or a third-party product, they can completely uh, support the customer. So that's how we've evolved from an overseas perspective. And that's what that product is. You want me to do a yeah. quick demo first, Kenny, and then you talk about Control 4? Yeah, sure. So let me, it's always good, I'm assuming, this for people to be able to see a product like overseas. So I'm gonna, sh I'll share my screen here and we can give you a quick demo here. Like as Kenny mentioned, if I'm a professional integrator today, I'm going to want to manage not only all my customers and devices, but I'm also going to want RMR, RMM capabilities, ability to monitor and remotely manage it. So if you see Oversee here, I have two customers. It's my brother and I, but uh, I'm going to give you kind of a demo of how, how an integrator would use this. So first of all, if I would go set up a customer here, uh, create a location, things that I've already done in this case. Um, I'd put an address to them. I could even plot that. We even plot them on a map for integrators so that they can see a collective group of their customers. 
Um, and when they dive into the customers, this is really where the power of Oversee comes to life. So I'm going to go show you guys my house here. Um, and we give the integrator a snapshot of the relevant information about the customer's home. So in this case, location plotting on a map, date and time. Um, we give them a, an average network health score. So for example, you know, how's the latency doing on my IP network in the house? Because that's, that's the backbone of the smart home today is what the IP network is. And so we'll graph uh, what, the, what this shows here. This one's a little slow to come up for some reason today. There you go. But you can kind of see that, hey, do I have high latency in the home? Is there something causing issues? I can run a speed test um, of sorts down here. Um, and then the, the other piece of Oversee that provides a lot of value is the ability to monitor devices. So I have a total of 85 devices in my house, but there's about 60 devices that I feel are critical to the operation of my smart homes. Obviously, like iPhones and things like that, I don't really care to monitor those, but you know, an amplifier, I care a lot about monitoring. Um, and so that's where you kind of get the delineation there. Uh, they can put things into different rooms. So if I want to see where are the devices, um, perhaps one of their techs went and did this complex install, but, you know, somebody new is coming out to support it and doesn't know what's in the master bedroom versus the equipment room versus where. And then here's where the real power of Oversee starts to shine is where you see all the device configuration pieces, as Kenny mentioned. So we at the point of manufacturing for our products or products that we call a 1p device um, we have an agent that, that allows uh, the device to connect to oversee and then we can communicate for configuration purposes whether that's a router here where i can go in and set ip configurations or um, i can reserve ips um, uh, whether that's a router we'll use a, an, an ip surveillance camera that needs to be configured so in this case I've, I've just set up a camera i need to do its configuration i need to set maybe intrusion zones or i need to set activity zones i need to go into the camera and configure you know the image settings these are all things that the professional installer is going to do to get the smart home configured one of the products kenny mentioned that was kind of the start of Oversee was a power product we have called the Wattbox. And one of the strongest use cases is the ability to plug something into a power outlet and to recycle that outlet if it freezes up, call it say an Apple TV. And I'll show you that product here. Um, the Wattbox here is, uh, here's one that I have in my rack here at the house. And we actually allow you to either reset or turn on or turn off different outlets throughout the home. So if my moip device or i'm sorry my apple tv device goes offline i can simply just power cycle it right here it'll reset that outlet and that would solve 90 to 95 percent of all support related cases is simply the power cycling of the device um, and so through the years we've built out this exhaustive tool for both configuration and remote monitoring for the products that we manufacture um, if a device goes offline, you'll see that I have some notifications over here that tells me as the professional installer that some devices went offline. I can, I can actually see more details of when it disconnected, that it reconnected, um, and things like that. One last thing I'll show you with Oversee um, is the ability to monitor and manage third-party products. So many of the products that we surface in Oversee are our products. We, from manufacturing, build them to integrate directly with our platform. But in many cases, there's much more products in the home that are IoT products that we don't manufacture, things like Apple TVs. And so we developed a product called Oversee Pro, which is in many of our smart home products, and it's also in a standalone product that will 
um, scan the network and pull back third-party information into Oversee also. So here's the Oversee Pro device. And what you'll see here is things like a Samsung TV or an Echo Dot or Apple TVs, all for the purpose of expanding our monitoring beyond just the products we make um, into the third-party products. And you see right now, actually, it's scanning my home and um, picking up anything else. We've done different integrations with either open source protocols like OnVIF and SMTP, different protocols like that to surface more of third-party information. And then in some cases, we've done direct integration like Samsung TVs are such a common, uh, or Sony TVs also are very commonly used in our industry. And so we've done more direct integration with those manufacturers to bring third-party products in. So all in the purpose of like Kenny mentioned in the RMM world to be able to remotely configure, monitor, uh, the devices that are in the complexity of the smart home. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for showing um, and giving an overview, an overview of Oversee. Um, it's, I, I guess one question from a technical standpoint is you talked about power cycling, power cycling there, and you can solve most of the problems by effectively turning it on and off. How does it actually, how does it actually do that with the physical device? So I can understand you could kill the internet to the device, but to actually kill the power, how, how does Oversee actually do that on so many different devices with such ease, Graham? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it's, it's simpler than you think. If you plug a, a device into one of our outlets that is a controllable power outlet, by power cycling that device, you power the outlets. Um, but we've launched a product called Oversee Connect, which allows the homeowner to do things um, in kind of call it a macro basis. So let's assume that you know, the complexity of a smart home and all the different power outlets of what's plugged into, which is way too complex for a homeowner to do. But the, the professional installer can go through and say, hey, let's assume you, have, you want to reset the entire Internet in your house because something went wrong. Right. And that's a series of outlets or a series of devices to power cycle. They can actually set that up and allow the homeowner to just simply click a button. And in the background, it's running all that kind of complexity to reset the right, right and proper ones. So that might be you know, through Oversee a direct device reset, or it might be, you know, a watt box that actually power cycles an outlet that the Apple TV is physically plugged into. So it could be either one of those. And it gives kind of that holistic ability to solve problems, um, whether it's in, in an individual setting or at a more macro piece of the puzzle. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of other ways to also uh, reset devices. So <clears throat> um, some of the products are actually powered through PoE Ethernet ports. Uh, so like your surveillance cameras or your access points. So we also have the ability for you to actually reboot those specific outlets. So you can reboot those devices. We also have software reboot capability. So if, if the product has an ability to reset itself using software IP uh, APIs, we can call, we can do that as well. Um, and then, so those are three ways we reboot devices. But I would have to say that when you're troubleshooting and diagnosing today's uh, problems and challenges in a smart home or smart business, it's a lot bigger than that. Like, for example, like the way your wireless is set up, uh, we, you know, you have to be able to troubleshoot. Are there conflicts on the channels? Are your power outputs too strong? So those are things that we can also help diagnose networking challenges, um, as well as like configuration, uh, even firmware patches. The software updates to devices is critical for you to maintain how your system operates. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fantastic, really. And and I think from a just going back to what you said earlier about the, from an integrator's perspective, uh, I would imagine this is critical for them 
providing support services ongoing, right? Because oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, without without this, it's going to make their job a lot harder. But but even from a location standpoint, you know, you kind of mentioned, well, they've got to drive, they've got to actually physically drive there and do that. It takes time out of their day. But but some of these devices are going to be really inaccessible, which is the kind of beauty of, of, of IoT in general, and that we've spoken about quite a lot. You know, once you kind of plugged it in and you've kind of installed it wherever that may be, you don't really want to have to go back to it unless you need to go back to it. Yeah. So I can see this being a tremendous benefit uh, for, for a number of different people, actually. Yeah, I mean, the systems that our integrators install in homes, like sit in towers of racks that sit in an equipment room or basement somewhere. And that is extremely formidable if you're not comfortable with technology for a, for a you know, a homeowner or a business or a person to go back there to like check, what do I unplug? <laughs> uh, so these type of capabilities are extremely helpful uh, for troubleshooting and solving problems uh, on customers' behalf. Yeah. I mean, as you said, if, you know, if power cycling can save uh, 90 to 95 percent of issues. Right. Uh, which always amazes me. You know, the old phrase, turn it off. Have you turned it, have you turned it off and back on again? Level one support. Right. Um, uh, but that you could be in a world whereby you, you really never really actually need to go down there unless it was a hardware problem, i.e. caused by heat, fire, you know, some sort of uh, uh, you know, water damage or something like that, because all of the capabilities, the monitoring, the latencies, the ping is is all done, provided it's on Oversea, right? That's exactly. So, yeah, it's really fantastic. Um, thank you so much for giving an overview on that. Could we talk yeah. about Control 4 as well? Yeah, Control 4. Um, so Oversea was the tool for our integrators. Control 4 is our product, is our smart automation platform that is targeted for both homes and businesses. And this is where the customers are actually interacting with the Control 4 experience, whether that's through a remote, that's through a touch screen at their installed in their home or their app or their TV. Uh, all that experience is curated and managed by this smart brain called the Control 4 system. And Control 4 system has over 20,000 integrations and counting of all the different products that it can integrate with. Uh, and we have an open um, open platform where anybody could create integrations into our uh, Control 4 platform, and that's continued to evolve. Um, so we create experiences such as, you know, listening experience, uh, a home theater video experience, uh, lighting, climate control, intercom, security, surveillance, all these different what you would consider IoT or you know smart home type of experiences are curated and managed in a single interface for the customer. That's what Control Four System is. Yeah, I mean that's um, yeah, it, it's great. I mean, I, I, you know, I've got to be honest. I've, I've heard of Control Four, uh, you know, over the years, and you know, it's been one of very few. Uh, really good systems at linking everything together. And I think we have to look at this from a kind of consumer point of view, right? The consumer doesn't want 15 remote controls <laughs> for every single device yeah. um, and, and not being able to find which one it is and how to, how to use it. And then you've got a factory issue. It's just, it's just ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Graham, you've got 85 devices connected to oversee at the moment, you know, I, I, and I would imagine, you know, you've probably got a couple more than the average home user, but even still, I would, you know, people are going to have 20, 30, 40 devices in their home. That's just what it is now. So, yeah. um, control, con I think control four, uh, is a fantastic 
product. But but it's really evolved as well. Kenny, you mentioned about the open integration. I guess that's key, isn't it? Like kind of like a marketplace, like the App Store kind of was to the growth of Apple, you know, control for open integration to allow uh, what is maybe flavor of the month devices to be able to come onto the platform. Maybe that's quite a big step in the evolution as well. That's totally. I mean, that is that is the crux of our industry, really, is that's why our, our professionals are called integrators. They're integrating all these things to work together. And so um, that is kind of the, the core element of what a smart home system is, is so like you can have 10 different apps to uh, control individual experiences. But the true magic of a home automation system comes together when you can now have a single button that triggers a lot of these things together or using a, an event from a device to actually trigger other things in the home without you even being involved. That's when the magic comes to life. And you can only do that when you have the connectivity to all these devices and you can talk to every one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is fantastic. Thanks again for IoT Tech Expo Europe for sponsoring today's episode. IoT Tech Expo Europe brings together Europe's brightest minds to talk about cutting edge technologies in one place. Experience top level discussions, innovative IoT innovations and strategies. Mark your calendars for the 26th and 27th of September 2023 when IoT Tech Expo Europe returns to the vibrant city of Amsterdam. I'll be there, will you? Get your tickets at iottechexpo.com slash Europe. The link will be in the description. There's definitely some magic in it, Tom. I don't know if the viewers will be able to see behind me our light switches, but like behind us, I have a music button there. And if I hit that music button, if music is playing in the room next to me, it's smart enough to go, wait a second, you probably just want to play that music in this room and join the two together. But if music isn't playing, then it'll pre-select a pre-select that I've determined, right? And you can tie that to your lighting system. You can tie it to shades and, and all those things. So like Kenny said, the magic of that really comes alive when you start taking what you might call a single discipline, like only lighting, and be able to tie it into all the other ones, comfort, security, audio, video, all those things. That's where the real magic of something like Control 4 becomes extremely valuable to homeowners and what they can do with a smart home. Yeah, that, that's incredible. So, so effectively you're saying... You could walk in, the PIR sensor on the light goes off, then that triggers an event to turn the music on because it goes, oh, hey, Graham's home. I want to play some music. Uh, that triggers another event to turn the heating on, perhaps, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really special, isn't it? Some of, the, some of the best automations are some of your party scenes where you can turn on music and lighting for certain, or, you know, dinner party scene or, you know, pausing a remote will turn lights on because maybe you want to get something out of the kitchen. Those kinds of automations are really exciting to see in the Control 4 platform. Um, Tom, I can do a quick demo for you guys if you'd like to see the Control 4. Please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So let me show you Control 4. Um, now, as Kenny mentioned, what you're going to see here, I'm going to demo, demonstrate on the mobile app. But this is the same interface, whether it was a touchscreen on my wall, my TV, um, when I turn it on, it'll be the same experience. And so when I launch into the Control 4 system, and this, again, is something that the homeowner is going to interact with, first of all, you can see all the different rooms. And like you said, I have 85 devices in my smart home. So if I go into something like the office here, I have speakers in my ceiling, so I can turn, turn, turn certain music on, whether that's Pandora or Tidal or Apple Music. Um, I can control the lights. Uh, right now, let's turn the fan on to 
will set, do setting two. I can even view the surveillance cameras. Um, I can see automation. If somebody drives in my driveway, it'll actually trigger my surveillance camera to come on and show me that on a touchscreen. Um, I can change the thermostat controls, uh, any one of those. Um, and if I go into a room, uh, let's say like the living room that has a TV in there, uh, you'll see here that I have available things that I could watch on the TV, whether it's Netflix or Disney Plus, something like that. Uh, even locks and sensors are available. I can unlock or see if my front door is locked. So for the homeowner, this provides a tremendously valuable tool to be able to interact with their smart home um, in a way that um, not only brings great value to them, but also interacts with their lifestyle. That same, those same things can be programmed, whether it's a, a button on a, on a light switch or whether it's a sensor that if I walk into the, say the bathroom at 1 a.m., the lights will just come on to a certain level versus if it's the daytime, maybe they come on to a different level. So all of that can be programmed um, within the control floor system. Let me yeah. provide a case in point of uh, what's really popular these days in the smart home industry is around um, um, lighting control. And so when we think about lighting control, it's it's evolved way beyond just turning it on and off. It's about how do you how do you have the entire lights in your house follow the circadian rhythm so that uh, when it's in the midday, it should be bright because you need to be awake. When it comes to the evening, everything starts to dim down a little bit. And so like the whole lighting is actually helpful to your health in living in the home and makes you more energized. And so that's a really popular kind of trend that's happening in our industry, but that's only possible if you are if you're if you have the ability to control all those lights and do it from a single place where you can now manage the scenes and automations and all these triggers that come along with it. Yeah, we had um, we had Hans Nickel on from Signify, and he was talking about some of the some of the lighting uh, technology and advancements in lights. And and you're you're, you're completely right. It's setting advanced routines, isn't it? You know. Um, you know, Tom, Tom wakes up, he wants to listen to BBC World News and he wants to make a coffee and that triggers. And, and it's the convenience, isn't it? It's the convenience and, and, and enriching someone's lives uh, to not be able to have to hit those buttons manually from an an analog perspective. Because it, it can be automated. It, it can be kind of daisy chained together to go in a flow. Uh, I think it's absolutely incredible. And, and it brings me on really nicely, guys, to my next point about the future. You know, where this is all going uh, it's it like because it's 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 actually quite hard to predict because it feels quite advanced already. You know, it feels it feels pretty kind of ubiquitous in a way. You know, being able to link everything certainly the way that you talk about it today. But one of the big themes that we have here on the podcast and that we see in so many different aspects is the whole software defined movement. Hmm. So we've had people talking about software defined cars, and everything is becoming more software defined. Is is, is programming concepts and principles. Um, become so advanced that the uh, that the hardware really is actually kind of secondary to what you can do with the software in your industry. How how is that evolving, and do you see that as the future? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you think about, uh, if you talk to any person around, what do you think a smart system, either in a business and a home, uh, should be doing? Like, how does it provide you value? They're not talking about the, the black boxes that go in the house. They're talking about experiences it can do for them. And they're thinking very futuristic scenarios like Jarvis from, you know, Iron Man. Like you want something to work on your behalf to deliver, constantly deliver value. 
Um, I would say, you know, it's a little bit a slight of a diss to my own industry, but um, our systems are really about controlling things today. Uh, now, uh, an integrator could truly create the scenes and all these type of things that are really uh, uh, seem smart, but uh, it's not truly dynamic. Uh, it's not learning on its behalf. Um, it's, it's all programmed to act in a certain way. Um, where, where we're going to continue to see things is we're going to invest, a, the entire industry is going to in, uh, invest a lot more into software where we have to do better at learning patterns, doing things smarter on dynamically on behalf of the customers. Because a lot of times the customers don't actually know what they want. If you ask them, hey, what do you want this button to do for you? They can't, they, like their imagination is very limited to what they know. And so I think we have to almost work on behalf of the customer to create those magical experiences, even when it's not predefined for them in the beginning. And that to me is a true smart home experience, true smart living experience that we all aspire to get there. And that's why software is such a big component of that because at the underlying level, you need to number one, have all that interoperability. You need to be able to have two-way communication to all these devices and sensors that can provide the foundation to do those things. And then on top, uh, uh, on top of that, you need to have the smarts that can help you deliver those experiences in a very dynamic fashion. And Tom, that's leading very much into what's popular, what we're you know investing in is things like AI, machine learning, and data science. Because you know if you look at whether it's a surveillance experience that can detect people or cars or things like that and proactively notify you, those industries are really being changed rapidly um, from you know traditional monitoring solutions to now more proactive things. Um, in that way. Plus, as Kenny mentioned, the way it can learn things, you know, in, in our current industry, you know, just having your lights automatically come on at sunrise or sunset is becoming a commodity with lighting products, right? But getting to understand like what Kenny was describing, circadian rhythms of lighting, all these kinds of things that AI can only enhance even greater as we go forward. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a, it's a coalition, isn't it, right? Of machine learning, uh, tiny ML, machine learning at the edge, uh, AI, data science, interpreting, you know, traits and habits of the consumer uh, to be able to then predict uh, what they really would actually want, and sometimes they might they might not necessarily even know that, right? Yes. And they've taken it to, to and taken it to the next stage, um, and it feel and it feels like an exciting time, and certainly on this podcast we've had a lot of people talking around. Um, you know the future, what that what that is, and and the benefits of machine learning, and it really does touch in so many different aspects. But I can see how that can get to the next stage, um, and why you know you guys are investing in that because it feels like natural progression, actually, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And we're in a really good space because, again, if you think about a a traditional home. Um, the number of IP or smart sensors that essentially feed into the system. You're talking about 20, 30, 40, you know, type of devices. We're talking about hundreds um, in our industry. And therefore, it provides a lot more data points and sensors and um, that we can leverage to uh, work on behalf of the customer. So it's really exciting times. And especially ML and AI is becoming a lot more accessible. There's so many things that we can do that we're exploring. Yeah, 
yeah, I, 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 I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine the possibilities are absolutely huge and fantastic for that. Um, one, one thing that springs to mind is obviously the security element of all of this, and I know consumers and customers must be concerned about that. Um, I, I would imagine this is just in parallel to the advancements you're making. It's uh, that's that's probably something that's always at the forefront of your mind about how do we try and keep this secure and how do we keep this data uh, relevant to what who needs to see it and what needs to see it as well. Um, uh, so that I think that's a that's a big point, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, security by design is really our intent, um, especially because we are a manufacturer. So we can from the you know, manufacturing aspects all the way through the cloud piece of the app, secure products. And that's a key element. Also, privacy is critical, especially if you think of our kind of unique relationship with a homeowner who hires a professional integrator to install something where they need an ability of c control to support the homeowner, but also not violate their privacy. And that's a that's a very interesting line we have to run with. What do they have access to? What do they not have access to? Um, how can they provide the best support without you know going further than what's needed um, and so all of those things are huge considerations for us as we develop and deliver our products yeah i think security and privacy is utmost front and center of what we need to do and we are doing and i think that's part of the reason why it's it's slower as we think about r d and rolling out some of these capabilities where we leverage data more because we got to make sure we have the right infrastructure policies, everything in place, technologies in place so that uh, we can ensure that the data that's being generated from the home, as we are all very sensitive to that, <laughs> doesn't get shared outside the world. Um, it, it only, uh, the data should be leveraged only to make the customer's life better um, and it shouldn't be used in another way. And so uh, to make sure that we have the right infrastructure for that, you gotta make sure that you're investing and, and I think that's slightly the benefit of as, as what Graham was mentioning is we are the manufacturer. So we have products that we develop all the way from the lowest stack. We even design our own boards all the way to uh, the actually embedded software that runs on the device, um, the cloud infrastructure, as well as the application. We own the end to end so we can ensure that there's more privacy that's built in and we're not leveraging, um, uh, you know, something that we don't trust and we don't have control over yeah uh, it's we talk about security a lot here and that, that's really reassuring uh to hear as well um for, for for the users but also from a kind of technologist point of view um for myself right because you know we talk about zero trust mentalities um when we're looking at devices and secure by design principles from from the board upwards as you say and i think considering you own all of that end-to-end -end and it's at the forefront of your mind about how do we bake this in that's really, really important. And it's actually a worthwhile point to mention because a lot of people, when it comes to security, it's a gold plating exercise and an afterthought, actually. Yeah. And it's usually quite weak, you know. I've heard, I've heard stories of, you know, people mystery shopping uh, customers and sort of talking about security. And it's like, oh, the other guy does that or someone else does that, right? And, and no one actually really understands it. So the way that you've just described it, like both of you, is actually really, really quite impressive compared to some other businesses out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a really good point and a reassuring point. And, and I'm glad I'm glad we spoke about it actually, because um, I think more more needs to be done from the ground upwards when it comes to security, especially when you're in the home. Yes. You know, you, you know, you're in someone's home, um, so it, it can never 
it can never be overstated how important that is. Um, so that's really, really good, guys. Um, I've really enjoyed learning more about Snap One today. Uh, I think it's absolutely been fantastic. Uh, you're, you're both exponents of the business and really passionate, and I think that comes through in an absolute drove. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. As we as we near the wrap up, we always do this section where we ask people what their predictions are for IoT in 2023. Uh, so I'd love to hear both of you individually, if I could. So maybe if I start with you, Kenny, um, one thing that you think is definitely going to happen or is most likely going to happen in IoT this year? Oh, man. Big uh, question. I've got to ask it. <laughs> well, I- IoT moves at such a lightning pace that uh, uh, there's going to be any number of things that I say is probably going to come true. <laughs> but I think the safest probably bet is there's going to be a lot more investment into AI and machine learning around smart home. That has to be because that's the only way you're going to be able to deliver on the experiences that customers demand. And you already see that everywhere where there's a ton of investments going into this. And so I think uh, we'll see a lot more benefit. The added bonus I will add is on Matter. And I'm sure you guys talked about it on this uh, show. Uh, I think Matter's uh, making more traction. I think there's been some speed bumps along the way, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful that Matter is gonna help propel our industry forward in terms of more interoperability because that's part of the problem of delivering a good experience for customers, that interoperability problem. Um, and so a lack of standard is really challenging for us to deliver that experience. So I'm hopeful that Matter is going to make, uh, you know, some progress in this year. Yeah, uh, I would echo Kenny. I think that AI is probably the thing you'll see the most rapid expansion in the IoT space. I will say this, too, from a, from a what things are available for someone trying to leverage IT, it's so much broader today. For example, when we started Oversee in 2013, you know, none of Amazon's IoT pieces existed. So we had to build every piece of the puzzle. Um, today, if you were taking advantage of those kinds of things that you want to le- leverage, the amount of things you can just take out of the box from what the larger cloud providers are doing in the IoT space is phenomenal. And you can, you can, you can do things much, much rapid pace, at much more rapid pace than ever before. So, I think you'll continue to see the expansion of that. And with that, it's going to have to come continue work with privacy and things like that since the expansion is so great. But yeah, to me, those things will just increase much, much quicker through the rest of this year and on to the next. Thank, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, and Kenny, to your point, matter matters, right? Uh, <laughs> matter which I've been using quite a lot. Uh, it's a bit cheesy, but I quite like it. Um, and, and then finally, to wrap up, we've got a couple of quick fire questions. Um, and if I could start with you, Graham, what's your favorite IoT use case? Something that you either use yourself or something that you think that's really cool, actually? Um, I, I love playing with kind of the Internet of Things in the, in the maker space. So for a long time, we hosted the Charlotte IoT group. And I loved working with, I'm, I'm not traditionally a maker in that sense, but the makerspace is always very fascinating to me, especially when you start to see uh, youth events and some of the things that they're building. That's a passion that I've always uh, really enjoyed. And to see a young group of kids be able to build robots and, and things like that is just, just fascinating to see. And so um, though we don't get to play in that space as much, it's one that I try to keep tabs on to some degree. Yeah. Okay. Great. How about yourself, Kenny? Mm, I, I've always been really fascinated with. Um, I've been. I came from the security industry, so I'm very fascinated okay. with 
um, video analytics and video security and um, how if you look at a lot of the security uh, frameworks today around protecting the home or the business, you only really know when someone actually breaks into your house or your, or your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, the things that we're doing around uh, analytics and all the capabilities that exist in the world today, we're starting to push beyond just the, the perimeter uh, into the, the out external perimeter of your home or your business where uh, a lot of the security frameworks change where you're being a lot more proactive than reactive. And I am really excited about that. That just has been a passion of mine. Yeah, yeah. I think we share a similar background with that. I did a lot of work in DRM and CAS and CAM mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so so understand it quite well. Uh, and my last quick fire question for you both, and going back to you, Graham, but uh, favorite tech entrepreneur of all time? Favorite tech entrepreneur of all time, man, that's a, you know, I, I'm going to have to say one you might not know is a guy by the name of Scott Hanselman. Scott is at Microsoft, has been for years. Um, I early on, I was a .NET developer in my early days in my career, and I always loved following both his blogs and his thing. And Scott's always been a lover of IoT, um, has advanced what Microsoft is doing in their space. And so he's probably one of the ones I still keep tabs on even to this day. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's actually quite unique as well. Thank you for that. Kenny, you've got you've got some act to follow now as well. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to be way too uh, bland here. I'm, I'm going to I'm sure you heard this many times, but mine's Elon Musk. Uh, and okay. and for me, it's Elon because like he he doesn't he doesn't worry too much about short term consequences or results. He's delivering things that truly focus on solving humanity's problems. And uh, I just love that bold uh, kind of entrepreneur aspect of it. And that's why we, uh, us entrepreneurs exist. we got to solve the world's problems. I love that. What, what a way to end the podcast. Absolutely. And that's what IoT can do, right, as a concept, as a movement, you know, enrich people's lives, solve problems. You know, think about the IoT plumbers, you know, they're coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Graham, Kenny, thank you so much for coming on to the IoT podcast show today. Yeah, thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. Thank you once again to IoT Tech Expo Europe for sponsoring today's episode. Once again, please get your tickets. The link will be in the description. Thanks for tuning in to the IoT podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. See you next week for more IoT talks and tales.